This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us go to gigantic.is that's gigantic.is and save your seat for our january cohort your potential is gigantic and we're here to help you reach it go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today You are now listening to the Rocket Ship Podcast, the place where you can learn from successful entrepreneurs every week about strategy, growth, and so much more. None of this would be possible without the help that we get from CodeShip, Envision, and Customer.io. Stay tuned. We have an awesome episode ahead. Today on the podcast, we talk with Rob Mallory, VP of Talent at Originate. He talks with us about attracting top-notch technical and creative talent. He describes how his company is attempting to disrupt the investment space by investing talent rather than money, and how they've created a process for matching passions and talent with the right companies. Great chat with Rob. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash RocketShip to get 20% off three months. We'd also like to thank Envision App. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. Go to Envision app forward slash rocket ship to get the starter plan free for 90 days. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to customer.io slash rocket ship to start sending emails. Welcome that to the rocket ship podcast. We're here with Rob Mallory, the VP of talent at originate Rob. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us, uh, give us kind of the high level of originate. So yeah, Originate is a software company, and uh, and so we we have a unique twist on both the venture world and the consulting world. So we want to bring those together, mm-hmm. and we actually invest uh, engineering instead of cash into startups and and work with entrepreneurs and partners and and build out portfolio companies. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So how many engineers do you have working here today? Yeah, so the company as a whole is almost, it's right around 140 people. Okay. Uh, and these are it's a founding type engineers, the guys you're going to, you know, they'll make a phone call and be at Google or Facebook or Twitter, wherever they want to be. Uh, that, that quality bar, uh, designers, same thing, uh, product specialist, UX, all the things that build great software. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the business side, the strategists, the uh, investment committee, things along those lines. So what are you doing to attract that kind of talent? That's a good question. That's the million dollar question. Okay, okay. Uh, that's the, the, <laughs> I can talk for two months on that or I can give you the 20 second version. But I mean, yes, that's what do you do? I mean, it, there's so many different angles that okay. I can take that down. Well, let's so we we really tend to, to talk about kind of that early stage. So yeah. um, say you want to bring on kind of some early engineering talent. What would be some advice that you've given founders on how to source that talent or mm-hmm. attract that talent? So, yeah, the uh, 
the big thing there is is engineers want to work on tough problems. They want to work on uh, with other smart engineers. So you bring those two together. That's that's a critical component. You can't just have this um, simple thing that they could bang out at a hackathon in an afternoon. You have to have something that's tangibly difficult. Um, So that's number one. Um, And it's a little bit, I don't want to say herd mentality, but ultimately if one awesome engineer is on board, now you can get two, now you can get three. And so ultimately that's where a lot of the the technical um, uh, companies and startups are built around awesome technical people because that's how it kind of seeds. When you run into difficulties, when you're more on the business or entrepreneurial side and you don't have that technical know-how that the engineers would have. Mm -hmm. And so then it comes into much more of a relationship standpoint. Like, you know, you were getting, uh, you were um, the CEO of, of a last company that you took successful and now you're going to hire two or three of the engineers that were with you before. You know, so you mm-hmm. kind of have to have a little bit of uh, swagger to your business. You can't just be a, a you know a person with an idea and then just hope somebody's going to build it out for you. You can hope somebody can build you out, but they're probably not going <laughs> right. to leave Google to do it. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> right. So are most of these engineers um, strictly on the technical side, or are they kind of at that level of being a technical co-founder um, CTO that's going to be Um, kind of on that partner level of these early companies? You would want them ideally on the partner level. Um, Now, what you run into problems there is that a lot of times when people are partner level, then they can't get back down and dirty into the code. And so you you run this, okay, I'm going to, I hire a CTO or a partner. They might've been awesome, you know, five or 10 years ago, but they've since moved on to be a VP or or CTO of a different company. And then they need to almost rebuild a team in order for them to build whatever you're building. So you really want the ideal person uh, to start a company with is that person that's still a rock star, like digging in the nuts and bolts of the uh, of the code, but either has done that leadership portion or can do that leadership portion. And those are. Those are those ones. I mean, those are those are hard to find. Yeah. So what other qualities are you looking for beyond like the technical abilities when you're looking at finding a good co-founder or a good technical partner? The the biggest thing is somebody that can do it all. And I know that sounds mm-hmm. kind of silly, but essentially you're looking for somebody that doesn't really have any holes in her game. And it's somebody that you can build an entire, you know, whether it's a five person team or eventually maybe a 30 person team. And if they do have holes, then at some point you're going to have to fill those holes. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least they can get to a point where they're competent at enough that you can scale it to a point where then you fill it with somebody that's more specialized. Um, So it, it really does depend on the person that you're founding it with. And and then what do they um, you know, what do they bring to the table? So when you're having these early conversations with uh, a potential engineering hire, what are some of the questions or angles that you're that you're looking for um, that that kind of, you know, set off a good or bad flag? It's it's as simple as. Uh, one of my favorite books on on hiring engineers is uh, is a book by um, a guy named Joel Spolsky, okay. 
and uh, he has an elite level uh, software firm and, and the book is called Smart and Gets Things Done. So those are two really, really critical things. Okay. We want smart people and they actually get stuff done. They don't talk about it. They get in there and they really go after it. And so uh, engineers, uh, you know, you can be smart but then lazy or you mm-hmm. could be, you know, get stuff done but your code is crap. It just depends. And you want that really good mix of, uh, of both and then that kind of proactive uh, you know, entrepreneurialness that comes along with being a founder because not you, you, you can't walk into us. It's just like building a company. Mm-hmm. It, if you just because you worked at an awesome company like a you know like a, one of the big you know the big ones that everybody wants to go to work for, now go build a startup and they don't really realize what they had at the old company. They had all of the process, all the paperwork. They had a printer to actually print the paperwork. (laughs) And all of that stuff needs to be created from scratch when you do a startup. And so you have to have somebody that that knows how to build from nothing, which is fundamentally different and way harder than building, basically editing things or building features onto things. Uh, So, yeah, I think it's the standard, you know, entrepreneur's problem. Yeah. So... Are there any angles that you take in in kind of, you know, an interview? Like you've got 30 minutes with somebody. Are there mm-hmm. any questions that you typically ask that that could find out what type of personality they are? The uh, the big thing that I my, – my interview style is super conversational. Uh, so I really want to figure out the person that, that we're and, – and my job here at Originate is matching passions. Okay. And so the, the real – I want to figure out – there's no, I don't have, I, I was asked this the other day. I like, I really don't have set questions that I ask people. There's no silver bullet to this. It's more about a one-on-one who is this person at their core. And right. if you can, so what's, how do you figure out a person at their core? <laughs> you have to have them open up. And so ultimately if you can get somebody to open up about, you know, what they would want to do. So I, 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 I think that's probably my most, you know, it, it, is it a, is it a crazy question? No, but it's like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Now, answer it truthfully. Now we're really starting to get down to it. If you give him, if if somebody gives me the answer that they're, they think I'm looking for, or something that doesn't quite get to the the essence of who they are and what they actually want to be doing. So really, I want to. I'll ask it four or five different ways sometimes, okay. and you really want to get down to okay. If you weren't being paid tomorrow, what would you do? Mm. You know, if you if you could do anything. In the world, what would you do? And and that's when you want the the like your those eyes to to sparkle up, and then and then that's when the passion starts. The truth starts coming out. Yeah. And once you can match passions with an individual, what they would be doing, and then passions and and mission of a company. Yeah, those two things come together. You've got gold. Yeah, and that's what startups are really good at. But most corporations, they're like. Are you going to fit into my box? And, <laughs> right. and, you know, if you don't fit in my box, then how do I make you fit in my box? And that's where you run into problems because then you have to actually motivate people as opposed to them being self-motivated. Interesting. So it, I'm almost hearing like you don't pitch your idea first. No, no, no. Um, it's not about you. Oh, it's absolutely nothing yeah. to do with it. I mean, it, it, the engineers and the designers and everybody that we're talking about here, when you're a founding quality person, you can do anything you want. Yeah. So it has nothing to do with us. It's more like, what do you want to do? Does that match? And and the, but the, the 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 really nice part about Originate, and and I feel super lucky to be part of building the team here, which is 
we don't build a team like other companies. We build a team to leverage everybody's entrepreneurialness and their 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 just kind of their general passions and awesomeness, really. And when you can tie those together with tons of different projects that we're doing, and and they get you know they they have the ability to be working on their own side projects and uh, and part owners in the in the ventures that we are taking, mm-hmm. that starts to you know. It's either go take a job at a at a startup as a founder and have that same passion, or come do it with us, but do it like over and over and over again. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so you guys get involved in the early stage. You take some amount of equity and you help build an awesome team for this. What do the later stages look like? Do you guys stay on board after the first versions are out? Um, yeah, no, it's a great question. It's and it's really the the question that we probably get asked, uh, you know, most often in in the VC world because again, we're trying to disrupt both the like the venture uh, the venture and the investor world as well as that more consultative model which is you know consultants come in they do a project but they never stay on okay uh, if VC or an investor they're going to invest cash okay they're they're still involved heavily but you better execute okay so we're kind of combining the execution with the investment and so you know to, to answer your question it, those those look different depending on on the partnership and the portfolio company that we're working with but at the end of the day we because we're because we're invested we want to figure out how best to transition you know do we do we have you know maybe a couple of the people that worked on the team they actually do want to go and and like I'm all in on this startup okay. or maybe we help them recruit a team that's more of the I don't want to call it maintenance team, but the one that's like more of the feature, the feature team or the integrating with new beta customer team or the, you know, it's maybe a different quality of, of engineer mm-hmm. and more like, you know, kind of the nine to five guy that's going to come in and just, you know, do what they need to do. Um, and so depending on where they're at, as far as the technology goes, uh, that's that's something that we facilitate or help facilitate and, uh, and or play a you know a huge role and actually you know just maintain that relationship going forward. So it's um, but yeah, to, you know to your point, it's um, it's something that, that a lot of investors worry about because if if there's no team to acquire, then what am I acquiring? What am I selling? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So no, it's definitely a, it's definitely a good question, and it's something that you know we we know is a little bit of a tricky thing, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure that uh, you know we uh, we do that handoff properly or just stay on board. So you've talked a little bit about the recruiting side of things for the engineers and designers and everything, um, but what does the other side look like in terms of the companies that you work with? How are you finding them? Um, are there certain common qualities in the type or size or scale that they're trying to reach? Do they come pitch you? Yeah, no, we hear a couple hundred pitches every month and, uh, and we run that very similar to any, any investor company or any, you know, VC angel group, anything like that. I mean, we, we bait now, but we have the added, the added twist that we, we typically don't invest cash. And so from that standpoint, there has to be a technical hurdle to solve. Mm-hmm. So we don't really talk about domain or it doesn't have to be, you know, social. It doesn't have to be, you know, gaming. It doesn't have to be healthcare. It's really wherever there is a software technical barrier. Okay. And whenever we can bring value from the software and the product development, 
um, that's where things start getting interesting, and then and then we'll move it forward. But we hear a lot of pitches that it's it's more of a business problem than a technical problem, and we unfortunately are not going to be your best value in that. I mean, we're we're going to be go just you can you can outsource that, and it's no problem. I see. Do you do you only invest talent in companies that have raised capital? No, we've done. Um, that's where we typically we want to make sure that we're de-risking the the technology, but not as much that we're de-risking the the just the pure business of it. So we really do want to have partners that uh, that come in. Having built something, um, whether it's you know or or raised money, you know, so it's if an investor thinks enough of a uh, of a CEO or a um, or a team to actually invest money when there's nothing there, mm-hmm. then yeah, that's probably something we'd be super interested in. But at the same time, we're typically looking at um, at there might be a prototype. Maybe that prototype got traction. It now needs to scale. Scaling is a big different beast than building, you know, kind of a flimsy mobile app. So, you know, all the deals look differently, but, you know, we have certainly done just napkin idea. Nothing exists, no funding exists, but we at least know the CEO and maybe one or two of their team, they're not going to be worrying about paying rent in six months. So, you know, they have to have had previous success and we know we just want to hitch our wagon and Mm -hmm. de-risk the technology and and then they go out and raise funds. So we've done, done a couple of those. Uh, to where they we build for you know six months a year, uh, and then they go out and actually raise funds and then go from there. Yeah. What do you do when that three months hits and you can see that um, you know some of the the creative talent? Uh, I think we've all hit this when we're we're in the in the dirt and we're, we're when that that kind of initial motivation starts to fade. What do you do? The you mean for this for, for the this. creative for the developer the designer that's it's a great question because at the end of the day that's kind of what originate was built around okay you know it's it's built around that that 3 to 6 month cycle which is that's the new stuff you're building out the platform mm-hmm. what happens when and so that's actually one of the way, the ways that we're able to attract who we attract is they've got Almost two options. They can go to the the Googles and the Facebooks and the and the and the LinkedIn's and, and Twitters of the world, or they can go all in on either a founder or build their own company. Mm-hmm. They're two very different things. We give them them kind of the hedged version of both, okay. which is the stability and the longevity of the bigger companies, but with the entrepreneurialness of the startup. Mm-hmm. And then they get to keep doing that three to six month cycle. But at a startup, when you're all in, you you essentially are, let's say, three to six months of hardcore product development. And now it's time to watch the CEO go to try to sell right. it and, and try to invest. And so you're you're in this mode of, well, I guess I could add this feature. And, and it doesn't really, that, that, that in that phase might last 18 months. Yeah. And it doesn't really, it's not interesting. It's not super you know tough it's more you it's out of your hands a little bit and so mm-hmm. we give we give engineers and designers and, and product people the ability to kind of keep doing that six month thing okay okay and then do you have people that maintain during that like hey a bug request absolutely yeah okay. i mean it, it, you 
we, we would never, I mean, everybody, it's kind of a shared thing. It's just yeah. like at a startup, you know, some, you don't maybe have that one, you know, gopher that goes around and does the, you know, everybody is, is high quality. So the CTO might be finding bugs at a startup, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's not like a, a, you're not part of the maintenance crew, mm-hmm. um, but you are part of the, you know, make sure everything's clean crew. Yeah. So something that we've struggled with, with Hookfeed is hiring uh, contract part-time developers. We, I know there's you know plenty of places where you can find them, but something that's unclear is after you find one, what does the hiring process look like? Are you doing code pairing? What questions should you be asking? Um, could you answer two things? Where do you find these people that are both developers and also uh, have partner level skills or have run the business or other developers before? And two, what does the hiring process look like once you find them? Yeah, so where... You know, where you find founder quality engineers is literally anywhere. It's funny. I, I just wrote a blog post on this, and, and this is a question I get asked all the time. Our, our CFO is, um, is uh, he teaches entrepreneurship over at Anderson at UCLA. And so, you know, he's got tons of MBA students like, how do I get my partner? Where do I go? What do I do? And the fact of the matter is, is it's not hard finding people. Uh, and this was what my blog post was, you know, just go to LinkedIn, you know, and type in Google and then punch in subsearch Stanford, MIT. Okay, you just found an awesome person. It, finding them is super easy. How do you now give them, how do you hire them? And are the, you know, that's the trick. And so, um, you know, kind of narrowing it on how do you hire them is, You've got to give them again, kind of that that what we talked about before, which is, is there a problem that they want to work on? Mm-hmm. Okay, is this an, it, it, just because it might be technically unfeasible for, um, you know, for a founder or for like you know for a non-technical founder to deal with, doesn't mean it's interesting. Building a website or building an app might not be super interesting, uh, and so you end up needing to kind of focus on. What's the quality bar that you're looking for? Maybe the quality bar to get something out the door at the beginning to just earn, you know, to get some kind of traction. Maybe it is just, you know, go out to your local Ruby meetup and find somebody that's got some spare time that can throw, you know, some, uh, you know, sling some code at it. And boom, now you've got something, Uh, you know, pay them, you know, 60, 70 bucks an hour and and that person's ready to go. Is that person going to be, you know, is Google knocking down the door to hire him? Is Originate going to, you know, knock down the door to hire him? I don't know. But he's maybe he or she is good enough to get kind of get that first first thing out there. Um, so, you know, so that's, so meeting people, getting out there, find out where developers are going. I mean, meetup is, is great. The quality bar on meetup groups is hit or miss. There's certainly, um, finding, um, and there's time, I mean, you can go to, you can go to angel list is actually the first that that's the place that I tell people, if you haven't made if you haven't built a site or a page on AngelList yet, there's tons of entrepreneurial-minded um, engineers, designers, product people on there, and and that's actually worked really well. So as far as like density of the type of people that you're talking about, that's a really good platform. You know, Dice and some of the other, you know, uh, obviously you know, Monster and Hot Jobs and all the others. Less so. That's more of the career-minded. I want to go to work at you know Wells Fargo or or Hewlett Packard or something, and not be super like entrepreneurial. Um, 
you're going to get a lot of those type of resumes through something like that. But it literally, it, it really boils down to just relationships. Go out, find out where people are, and um, and uh, and congregate with them. And and but don't be don't be that don't be that guy. It's like, hey, can I come to your meeting? And and then I need need somebody to build my thing. You know, you really really does come down to more of a human relationship. And don't don't treat you know don't treat engineers like a like a necessary evil that you have to you have to go out and try to herd back into your you know into your cool idea it's the yeah. kiss of death when you're trying to recruit it so, sounds yeah. like sales i mean isn't everything yes <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I i'm like you research you reach out yep. you you have to have an an angle and something that's interesting to the person oh yeah and then maybe you can get to the point where you can sit down and have a conversation and, and try to see if it's a good fit there's no silver bullet it really it takes time it takes effort it yeah. takes a compelling it it can't be all about you it has to be almost all about them and so if you make whatever you're pitching all about them and, and 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 engage whoever you feel like that audience that you're looking for. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get you're gonna get returns. You're gonna make the you're gonna close deals. That's yeah. really what it yeah. comes down to. <laughs> so it sounds like you're almost building up uh, binders of engineers over time, trying to find out what they like to work on, and then you're also on the other side building up binders of projects that hopefully, when you come across a, a specific project, you'll have the perfect match that you've already spoken with. Yeah. To, to pair up with it. And, and, you know, it's so I mean, there's tons. Casting a wide net is important when you're um, when you're out there. But, you know, previous companies, previous um, uh, relationships, uh, network. I mean, you, you really do have to network and you have to have if you don't have an engineer that would want to come on board in your network, you might want to rethink building a technical company you know what i mean and so that i think that would be the um uh i know it's tough out there trust me i do it every day um and i've got the ultimate thing to sell it's completely and utterly unique so i know how difficult it is to start from scratch but if you can't if you can't get the first first person to buy in it really really is tough when do you know when to hire someone like Especially if you're doing something like like Matt, um, where you're working with a contractor and you might work with them for a couple of months. Is, is there like a a moment when you know, like, I should bring this person on full time or or maybe I should just keep this at a distance? I think that's a, it's a great question. It probably comes down to when do you have the money to do it? OK. Um, and then and then are they not only are they committed, but have they. Do you know that they're your person? And I think that's especially that's a really really tough uh, a tough problem when people aren't technical because you know Matt you had mentioned um, you know what kind of questions do I ask them? Again, that's that's a you you don't you don't you don't if you're not technical you don't know. There's nothing like I, I, it took me 15 years of ask. I've literally done I've looked at hundreds of thousands of resumes and done probably. On the order of ten to fifteen thousand interviews with only software engineers, so I I have a little bit better gut about just kind of who's going to be good, who's not, and, and everything like that. But man, if you haven't done, if you've maybe done fifty technical interviews, 
and you never and you're not technical yourself, it all looks the same. It's it's really then a, a, a good communicator can fool you into thinking they're a good software engineer, and that is not always the case. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story there. It sounds like <laughs> I'm not going to tell it. Now. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Um, so, well, Rob, thank you so much for for coming on. Where can we keep up with you and uh, and originate? So it's originate.com. Cool. And what's the Twitter handle? Uh, originate Labs. All right. And are you on Twitter? Uh, I am barely on Twitter. Barely on Twitter. Barely. Okay. I think I've got 12 <laughs> followers or something. I'm, I'm not famous enough to even care what's going on on Twitter. I, I don't have that voice yet. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much. Thanks, Do yourself a favor. Start before you tear yourself apart. Recent events make this heart unwind. You might know about climate change, but do you know how it's changing life on our coasts? I'm Carlisle Calhoun, co-host of Sea Change, the award-nominated podcast from WWNO, New Orleans Public Radio, and PRX. Each episode, we dive deep into the environmental issues facing coastal communities, bringing you stories that go beyond the headlines, from species under threat to climate migration. Because we have a lot to save, and it's time to talk about a sea change. Listen to new episodes of Sea Change wherever you get your podcasts.